What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. It's David, Isaac, and Candace. We are here. Dylan Brooks is back, and they didn't jack around. They started him from the word go. I cannot tell you how happy I am. Super Let's surprised. Let's go. Let's go. Can- Candace, I'm giving you all the credit. You spoke it into existence on the last show. <laughs> I-, I will take it. Final score of this game. The Grizzlies make this game way too interesting. They're, have- they're getting in a bad habit of doing that. This is a game they led by double digits for a long time in this game, but it never felt like they put this game away. Final score, 125 to 118, seven-point game. But th- this is you go back to the Knicks game where they could have put that game away. They, they just were not able to do it. They didn't do it. It got closer than it should have been. And then here we are against a lesser team in the Thunder, and it was the same thing. They were up double digits. I think they got up uh, 18, I think, was the, the widest gap. Yeah. They just couldn't close the door on them. OKC kept fighting, and it got a little scary. Yeah, I mean, it's a kind of a disturbing trend that we've seen post-All-Star break. Because, like, as you said, even that Knicks game, even though they, they won that game, they still couldn't really ne- ever put them away. I mean, they'd have double-digit leads, and Knicks blew that lead and ended up going up, and they had to really fight back in that one. They turned it, down, turned it on late. But this is the second game in a row against a, a, a really, I guess, a bad team. We saw the loss in Houston. It wasn't as bad tonight. I think the body language was a little bit better tonight, but it's still they don't have that killer instinct that you'd like to see them have at this point against these bad teams. And, and we talked about this on the last show about this road trip, you got four games against teams that you're going to be heavy favorite. I think they were 14-point favorite think, tonight, and you'll probably be a double-digit favorite probably in all these games, probably except the Atlanta one, and you'll still probably be six, seven, eight-point favorite in that one, I would think. Um, and you and you got to put these teams away. Um, these teams aren't going to quit fighting. Uh, we saw that tonight. I mean, you got to mismatch the guys at, uh, at OKC, some guys that you've never even heard of getting minutes on that team. And they just, they just kept playing. Um, they kept fighting. I mean, Grizzlies just kind of let them hang around. Man, it got real scary there at one point. Uh, they're late, but they were able to come down. And one thing that they did tonight is made free throws. And I think that's a big, big reason why they were able to hang on here. Because if they were missing free throws at the clip that they had been re- recently, they probably would have lost this game, actually. Um, they go 18 to 20 for 90%. And that was positive in this game. And offensive rebounding, I think, was big in this game. And those were kind of the two reasons they were able to pull it out. Yeah, I, I do notice it as a trend. I'm I'm gonna I'm not gonna it's not a concern for me yet. I, I sort of still feel pretty good about it. You know, a 15 point lead uh, against a couple of these teams. I, I don't know if it's just kind of fluky. I mean, we'll, we'll figure out as we go. But just with the way that the officiating has gone, you know, toward the stretch, I feel like that had an effect to some extent. Ultimately, you can't blame the officiating, but um, I, I just I still see them competing. I still see them. Uh, I don't see them letting up per se it just seems like the other team can make it run more so than them just letting up and you know not trying effort wise so so we'll see as we go down this stretch you know like you said Isaac they're favored in several of the games here on this road trip and so um, we want to see if it'll continue or not but right now I'm, I'm not super concerned myself I actually looked up the free throw stats before we got on here in the last 10 games prior to tonight they're fifth in the league in free throw attempts, they're ninth in free throws made. They're 29th in the league in free throw percentage at 71.5%. Yeah. You know, T- Taylor Jenkins is aware. He, he has talked about it uh, in games. Nobody mentioned it tonight because, again, like Isaac said, that, you know, they're, they're 18 of 20 shooting 90%. You're not really going to discuss it then. But 
he he has credited this team and he said, hey, you know, they're doing a great job getting to the line. They're just not executing make them. when they get Gotta there. make them. And that that's you, you can't be fifth in attempts and ninth in free throws made, and then seventy one percent is just awful. Like that that yeah. that is, I don't even remember the team that was below them. And, and it, it's not like uh, again. I, I feel like we you know we we've discussed this a little bit on the last show. I don't want to beat this to death tonight, but that that's something. It's not just one guy that, that's missing free throws. It's not yeah. just Stephen Adams taking eight free throws a night. He only took one free throw tonight. He made it, but it, it's multiple guys. Guys that you know, Desmond Bain is he's on pace to break the season record for free throw percentage at eighty nine point four. But lately, he he's missed free throws. Brandon Clark yeah. has been missing free throws. DeAnthony Melton has been bad from the free throw line. So it, you go through the roster. And there's a number of different guys that are contributing to this number being so low. And that is, that's super scary to me because I know I will bet you right now, it's going to be recorded. You guys will hear it. I'll bet you right now that they will lose a game in the playoffs because of free throw shooting. Especially for a team that does big business in the paint the way they do. You I mean, you got to knock those free throws out. And, and you, you are definitely going to find yourself in a situation to where in the playoffs, because these games, a lot of these games are close. Cause I mean, all these teams are really good. You're going to find yourself in close games that it's going to come down to that again, like the Grizzlies, a team that's going to be in the paint a lot. You're going to get those opportunities and, and you got to knock them down, especially late in the game. And, and the thing about it, Josh Moran is extremely streaky when it, when it comes to free throws. Cause a lot of times he's great. Like he goes to the line, knock down both easy. And then he'll have another trip where it looks bad. Like, and you just, never know uh, with, with him what it's going to be. But there are times where he hits all of them, and there are times he'll have a game where he goes two for nine. Like, you just never know what, what he's going to do for the game. And he has to be, like David has talked about this before, we've, we've had this conversation, he has to be at 80%. I mean, you got to have him at 80% because he's going to be the guy that's in those situations in the free throw line, late in those games and big games, and you need him to knock those down. Yeah. Now, I will say he's 82% in, in the clutch moments, but – but yeah, he he's he's been streaky. And I'll say the one thing that gives me optimism is the return of Dylan Brooks. He is one of the better free throw shooters on this team. And I think you've relied a lot on your bench players like Kyle Anderson, like you mentioned, DeAnthony Melton. DeAnthony, I don't really understand what's going on with his free throw shooting. Yeah, but Kyle Anderson, I know, I know Kyle Anderson, he's got that hitch. He's still dealing with that shoulder, and that's very apparent, even at their free throw lines. It's affected affected his shooting all around. Um, and even Zaire is he's 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 been pretty good from the free throw line, but as you go down in the stretch and you talk about playoffs, I think they'll get less minutes. Your 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 liabilities will get less minutes um, at the free throw line, with the exception of probably Stephen Adams. And so I feel a little bit better about it going forward. But I need to continue to see things like eighty five percent, ninety percent free throw shooting as we go down this stretch for me to feel really confident about it going into the playoffs. So Candace, I want to go back to something that you said when we were talking about. It feels like. They're just not closing this these games out. Teams are hanging around, hanging around, hanging around. Yep. You said it's not a concern for you right now. When does it become a concern? Because I've got to be honest, like it, it's a little concerning for me. And I, I think I, I was questioning myself on this today. And I was like, okay, are you setting the bar too high? Do you have the bar set higher than what it should be for this team? Or is this something that's a legitimate concern? And I couldn't really narrow it down. You know, I, I was writing stuff down, just kind of making notes. 
And I don't know what it is. It might be that I have the bar set too high, but for you to get to that point where it's a concern for you, like for them not closing this, these games out, what, what has, is there a certain thing that has to happen or is there something specifically that you're looking for to happen to where you're like, okay, this is going to be, or could be a problem. I think the rest of this road trip will help, help us determine if it's a trend or not. Um, if they can put away a couple of these teams, I can throw in the Knicks are a very physical team. And so I can kind of see how they'd be able to make a run on you. And I, I disagree personally with a lot of the calls, especially down the stretch or, or no calls, rather, should I say calls that the, you know, OKC got that the Grizzlies didn't get that I felt like could have made the difference in the final score. Um, it did get a little nerve wracking there at the end, but I, one of the things I actually, and maybe it's just my perspective on me looking so long-term for the playoffs. One of the things I want to see, no matter who the opponent is, is can you take a run? Can you, can you take a punch? Can you bounce back? Can you keep your lead? Can you keep your, your composure and can you move forward? And so I, since I've been looking for that, cause I, I felt like in some of the games against the Rockets and there's a few other games since the all-star break, they sort of waned. And when the momentum shifted, you, you just didn't see them be able to take the punch as well as they had in the past. And so I've been looking at it more from that perspective, other than, you know, you know, just the opponent itself, but we'll continue to see and monitor. I'm watching it optimistically, but, but again, I just want to be able to see them uh, every team that's the NBA, every team's going to be able to make a run on the other end. The question is, can you, can you punch back? Can you keep your lead? Can you keep the momentum and the composure down the stretch? And that's really what matters more to me. I think the thing for me that, that's the most scary is you look at the teams that this is happening against. You look at the the yes. Knicks team, and, and, I, and I'll give you, like, I, I 100% agree with you, the Knicks team is physical. So I can mm-hmm. – you can maybe justify that one. But going back to the Rockets game last Sunday and then this game and that Knicks game, these are not playoff caliber teams. Yeah. When you run into a team like, say, the Hawks on Friday – and they've got a closer like like Trey Young. If you mess around with this team and you let them stay in it to where they start getting a little momentum at the end, it may be too late to take that punch. And so that that's where it's really concerning for me. They're, they're struggling against teams that they should finish off when they get up against better quality teams. This home stretch that they have, and this they, they've got a four game home stretch coming up when they get home off of this road trip. They play Brooklyn, Milwaukee and the Golden State Warriors all at home, all three teams that are playoff caliber teams that you can't, you know, you can't afford to play with fire because you're going to get burned from those teams. They have legitimate closers as to where, you know, I I don't want to discount or or talk bad about SGA. He's a phenomenal player, but I don't put him on the same level as a guy like Giannis or even Drew Holiday. Um, You know, you you look at uh, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving for the Nets, uh, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry for the Warriors. They, these teams that they're kind of battling with, rolling back and forth with, they don't have a guy that can legitimately take over a game. And I guess that's what's the most concerning for me. Isaac, where are you at with this? Is it full-blown concern for you, or are you just kind of on the fence? Yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm pretty concerned about it because I'm paranoid anyway. I kind of talked about this before the All-Star break. I was like, man, I hate kind of hate that they're going into this all-star break and playing really well despite their loss to Portland right before the all-star break. You're playing pretty well. You kind of hate for something to come out to stop their momentum. And then you come out uh, and you have the, the tough game against Minnesota. You lose that game. Mm-hmm. And, and if you watch the team, there there has been some slippage, uh, especially on the defensive end. A lot of shots that they're giving up now and shots at the basket, some of the perimeter defense, 
that, those are things that weren't happening uh, before the All-Star break. And it, so in, in, in coupled with that and seeing how, especially the Houston loss, like not being able to – Houston threw that their punch there, coming out yeah. in the second half and not being able to respond, that concerns me. And, and as David said, the, the schedule's going to get tougher. Even though it's at home, they got some tough games coming up. And if you're doing that against these teams, when they match up, they lost to, to Minnesota, which one of the better teams they played since the All-Star break. When they start playing Milwaukee, Golden State, uh, uh, Brooklyn, how are they going to look against those teams if they're kind of having these issues against uh, these, these bad teams? I mean, you dropped the game, game to Houston. It, it, that's going to be the interesting part. And Houston is a team, despite their record, they have some guys that can play. I mean, when, when Jalen Green is, is going off, I mean, he, can, he has these periods where he goes off. That was one of those games. He doesn't do it all the time, but sometimes he looks stoppable. Kevin Porter Jr. is another guy one-on-one that can really put the ball in the basket. Despite their record, they have some guys that can really play. It's just like Atlanta. Uh, we're going to find out. They, you got Trey Young, even though that's a bad team. He's a guy that you have to account for, and we're going to find out. I mean, you got three more games on this road trip. Pacers on Tuesday, uh, followed by the Hawks, and then that same Rocket team again. We're going to find out a lot more, like, as Candace said, about how this team handles these type of situations, but Right now, I'm I'm a little bit concerned. I'm a little bit concerned about the defense. Hopefully, Dylan getting back in there. The perimeter, the, the inside defense has been a problem. It's more been about the perimeter yeah. uh, defense that that's kind of been an issue. And I hope to get get that shored up. But we're gonna find out a lot more about how this team handles situations when you're you're playing these bad teams because you got three more below 500 teams left on this road trip. And that's I'm definitely gonna be watching that closely and see how they handle it before they got some some good teams really coming in at home. Yeah. But I, I feel like overall there were a lot of positive positive indicators. I think there were a lot of defensive slippages because you got to keep in mind that we got new rotations. Dylan's back, and I saw a lot of that sort of just mis- miscommunication, just sort of you know, just just sort of all over the place. Still trying to find their footing. I think these next two games will give me a will give me a better indicator of how I should really feel right now. I'm just sort of watching and observing seeing if it needs to be in the right direction or not. But I have been pleased with the three-point shooting, and I have been pleased with the free-throw shooting as of late, past few games. And so I'm keeping that in mind along with, you know, watching to see how they handle these teams that make a run on them. Yeah. Yeah, Go ahead, man. I was going to say, yeah, good tonight for three-point rate, 11 to 29 for 37.9%, man. You'll take that every night. This team, I forgot what the record is. Do you know what it is? Anytime they shoot 35%, the record is incredible. And that's like, League average, so I, I think, mean, I think it's twenty nine and two now. Yeah, it's something, sure. I know it's something crazy like that. Twenty nine yeah. or thirty so, and two, one of them. So, so you do like you shoot thirty seven point nine percent tonight. History shows that this team is going to win most games. Mm-hmm. I think some of this stuff is just kind of natural ebb and flow of the season, right? You know, so the, right. the, the free throws to me are not, it's not an ebb and flow thing. That yeah. is something that they've not been a good free throw shooting team yeah. all year long. Yeah. But, you know, this – the stretch – before the All-Star break, the Grizzlies were playing probably the best basketball in the league. They they were one of the best teams in the league and, and still are, but they were playing at an extremely high level mm-hmm. before the All-Star break. And then you have the – you know, the layoff from the All-Star break, you come back and you're trying to get your feet back under you. You have a guy like Dylan Brooks who is a huge piece of this team that's been out since January – and now you're going to have a little bit of a learning. I, I, I don't even want to call it a curve, but kind of an integration time here mm-hmm. where you get the flow of this offense back. You look at it tonight, you look at the shot attempts and, and people, this was something that was concerning people before Dylan came back, where his shots going to come from. 
And tonight's not really a great example of that because you look down, this was a, a pretty balanced attack. And, and Dylan Brooks had 15, Jaron had 18, Desmond Bain had 21, Ja had 17. And then you have three guys off of the bench and Zaire, Brandon, and Tyus. They were all in double figures. Night in and night out, you're not going to have seven guys in double figures. Mm -hmm. So the amount of shots, you're not going to have DeAnthony Melton taking eight shots. Randy Clark taking eight, Zaire Williams taking out eight, and Ty is taking nine off of the bench. It's not going to happen like that very often. And so if you go back and you look at the games before Dylan came back and you look, you're like, okay, Ja took 30 shots, Ja took 25, Ja took 24, and then Dylan's back and now Ja's taking 14. People are going to run to, oh, my God, he's taking away shots from Ja Morant. This is not a good gauge. Tonight's game was not a good gauge of what's going to happen with that. The the one thing that I was most worried about is what was Desmond Bain going to do when Dylan came back? Because we saw a little bit of clunkiness there between those two whenever they were getting it figured out early on. But he, he still had 15 attempts tonight, shot the ball well. Thank goodness he's back on track because he was, you know, in scary season there for a little bit, just couldn't throw a rock in the ocean. But He's back to being Desmond Bain, so I'm glad to see that. It, we're, Isaac or Candace, it don't matter. Either one of you guys can take this. I kind of want to hear from both of you on it. Are you concerned with the shot attempts? Do you feel like this is going to be a regular thing, what we saw tonight? Or do you think it's going to kind of balance out as the games go on? Yeah, that. Well, look, yeah, I, just, I just want to point out real quick, Um, I'd say that I actually like the, the division of shots. You know, you have, you have your – of top four players, you know, taking somewhere between, you know, 13 to 15 shots. And, you know, like you said, you had a lot of people off the bench coming out. I think it will balance itself out. But one thing that was most encouraging to me was that I, I don't think Dylan was particularly in, inefficient, you know, especially for Dylan's standards, but even more so he was second leading this team on an assist. So he had four assists on the team, you know, Ja had 10, but I think you want to see more than anything to me. I want to make sure that, he doesn't become the quote unquote black hole where as soon as it gets to Dylan, it just stops. He was looking for to get his teammates involved and he was looking for the, the wide open uh, player that, trying to get the best looks. And I think that to me matters more than the quote unquote shot attempts um, because you just want to get the best looks on your offense. And whenever you do that, you'll put yourself in a winning position. Yeah. yeah I think, I, yeah, I think if you ask me what did I like the best from what I saw in his return tonight, as Kendra said, I think it was the passing ball moving at four assists. I think that was second on the team uh, mm -hmm. tonight. So I'd like to see that. And he wasn't in, in super inefficient, man. Six to 14 from the floor. Did knock down the three, uh, knock down both of his free throws. I mean, had 15 points in his return. So I think, I think it'll be fine. And I think it was encouraging to see that Bain still scored 21 points and led the, led the team and shot seven to 15. Because I think if there's any guy that you, if you felt like that it would affect, I think Desmond Bain would kind of be that guy. And, and you didn't see that tonight. Uh, I mean, Payne leading the, leading the team in shots. So he definitely didn't take any shots away from him tonight, even though tonight was kind of a weird game. I mean, John didn't, didn't take the many shots as he usually takes. He only had 17 tonight. Uh, kind of a balanced attack, as you guys said. But I, th I think Desmond Bain, I think, I think, I think it's going to be fine. I think it'll, it'll work out because Dylan has – there have been times this year where, where he's still at points taking some bad shots, but he hasn't really been that black hole in a while. Uh, mm -hmm. I think he's kind of grown out of that. I don't think – we, we, we saw a lot of that from the, from the end of last year coming into this year. I think he's definitely made an adjustment there. I mean, even going back two years ago when he's coming out of the bubble, he talked about that summer 
that he knew that he needed to make some adjustments. And you saw that last year. And I think he even improved even more coming to this year in the time that he's played. So I, I'm not as concerned about that. I think think that's going to be fine. I just think my more concern was having a guy that means that much to your team offensively and defensively, him being back, there, that there's still going to be some kind of adjustment period. Luckily that they're at a stretch right now where they got three more games against, which is a pretty bad team, they, they should beat. Mm-hmm. And hopefully they take advantage of that time. They can still win those games while working them back in. Yeah. yeah. And just to, just to add one more point to that, I think people should just be careful to think. I think Ja was intentional about about taking a step back on this one. You know, so there's been a it's been a while since we've seen just Ja take a step back. And I think he sort of wants to fill out his teammates and get the sense for where everybody wants their looks before he just goes back into attack mode. You know, it was like that when he came back in off his injury. Sometimes it's just good to to just sort of see where everybody has the ball, get the best looks and and take it as there. So, I wouldn't get super concerned about you know, the John not getting, you know, him, him only having 17 points. I, I think as the game grows and as they get comfortable, you will see John take more shots. But I think it was the right call for him, and ultimately it was the best result for the team. And I heard there were some people actually hating on him tonight, saying that look at their, look at his stat line. That's why he's not the MVP candidate. I didn't see any on my timeline, but I saw people talking about it, that there were people, I guess, probably outside of Memphis nationally saying that look at it because I think he only had – Maybe he didn't even score it after the fourth, first quarter. He either had scored or he had two points. And like people double, were, double. yeah, people were talking him about that. Said he wasn't scored enough that he only scored seventeen points. So you, it's craziness, man. They're gonna use 17, anything. 10 and yeah, is a bad it's a double double. Use anything like, they can. Like on, he got to score. He got to score forty every night for them to even These have him in the conversation. It's crazy, probably, man. Like they were probably arguing that Chris Paul should be in the MVP conversation. There are people that say, "Who was that the other day that I was watching like, nationally?" I'm like, they they had they named I think. Eight candidates. They had Chris Paul like number four. So I was like number seven. I'm like, what yeah, are you? No. What world are we living in? Like, I'm like, what yeah. Chris Paul? Like, I know, I know what Chris Paul means to the Suns. Like, I get it. Steve Nash, Kobe Bryant thing, but you mean it's? I mean, the numbers just aren't there. I mean, it's just not this season. I mean, he's just not in the conversation with these top guys. It's, it's not a lifetime achievement award. Yeah. No, it's not, yeah. it's not a lifetime achievement award. I told I think Eddie Johnson, that uh, former player that does broadcast for the Suns. Uh, he actually answered me on on Twitter, and I was telling him he's like Chris Paul should be an MVP over Jobs. Like, man, this is we're not talking a lifetime achievement award, man. It's just right. Chris Paul's just not on that level this year. Not a great player, Hall of Famer, one one of the best to ever do it. But this thing, this season, he's just not on the level with these other guys, and people keep throwing him in there. And one thing I'll be looking at is the Suns' record without Chris Paul. Because I hear so much, yeah, people want to say that about Jobs, 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 how they played without uh John Morant. And so I'm just I'm just watching the Suns continue to win games. And I just yeah, you when it when is somebody gonna bring up that the Suns still winning games? You, st- you still Chris got Paul. you got Devin Booker on that team, which yeah that helps. Like it's not like he like he got another doesn't have another all-star on that team. So I just I, I'm hoping that the Suns doing well will, will sort of help uh calm down the, the conversation against job because they if you have a good team you have a good team and I don't and for the people still screaming about Chris Paul winning MVP for unknown reasons this is this goes to the point in the direction. I mean, it shouldn't matter what your team does outside of the performance. It's what what are you bringing to your team in the position that you put them in more than anything else. And like you said, Chris Paul is a great player and he means a lot to that team, but the stats just don't add up to the other the other candidates at this point. Yeah, if you're going to use that argument against John Morant, you damn sure better have, yep. you know, like you need to be talking about what the Suns are doing without Chris Paul for sure. 
Uh, Isaac, you were talking about them kind of tuning up in these games before they get into this final stretch. When they get to their home game against Brooklyn next week, eight of their next ten opponents are playoff teams. So it's the schedule is not easy for the Grizzlies. We, we have talked about them possibly getting to the season total, like the, the wins record. It's still a possibility. They have to be play tough. very well. It's going to be extremely tough, though, because it's not an easy road for them, including the – you have to include the play. And the, the Nets are in the play-in right now. But I, I think yeah, that team we, is, we know. is far yeah. more dangerous than, <laughs> yeah. than their record indicates. <laughs> yeah. But you, you've got the, the Nets, the Bucks, the Warriors, Suns, Jazz, Nuggets, Pelicans, and Celtics. That that's their their final ten game stretch there. So they definitely all of this, and, and I know it's not many games. I know there's not many games, but figuring out what the offense is going to look like, who's going to do what, uh, with, with Dylan Brooks and how everything's just going to meld together. I'm glad that they do have this little three or four game stretch here to figure that out. Because if they were trying to figure that out in the last ten games. I think it could be very detrimental to their record. Hopefully by the time they get back home to face Brooklyn, they'll have this figured out. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing, David. I think I think I really liked how this worked out time-wise between get, getting Dylan Brooks integrated with these games down on this road trip. And I think it's important that they play some tough playoff tight light competition going into the playoffs just so they can, you know, be prepared. And like you said, how are they going to respond in those situations? They have opportunities to make adjustments before they start those playoff games. And so um, I'm pretty excited about the opportunities that the Grizzlies have in front of them. And I'm just curious as to how it's going to play out. Yeah, before Taylor Jenkins kind of said that he'd be back within a week or so, about a week ago, I was hoping that they could kind of bring him back when they were playing some of the, some of these lower tier teams. Because you didn't want to wait till they get into that streak with the Nets and the Warriors and try to throw them in then. Because, I mean, that – you want to kind of work this out and have that ready by then because I'm, if you're going to compete for that two seed, I mean, that's going to be the stretch. I mean, of course, this is big right now. I mean, of course, they need to take care of these games. Supposed to take care of, but those games are going to be important. I mean, you have the opportunity for the tiebreaker against Golden State. If you can get that game there at home, they're going to have Draymond Green back that time. By that time, James Wiseman's coming back. We'll see if Curry even plays them. I see their fans excited about it like he's going to make a big impact. And I'm kind of telling them, man, hold on, man. He, might not even see the floor if we were talking about Steve Kerr, but we'll see how that works out. But it, it, it was important to kind of get him integrated back in because you want to be – by the time you get to those last games, you want to be playing your your best basketball. You don't want to still be kind of working through things, and that's kind of where they were last year with bringing Jared back, and he had been coming off the bench, and you're trying to bring him back in. Then you, all of a sudden, three or four games left in the season, you throw him back in as a starter. Like You just didn't want to see that type of situation. And so I'm glad to, to see that he has – a pretty significant amount of games to kind of work through this uh, before we get to the playoffs. Yeah, Draymond coming back for the Warriors is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's you wonder what type of impact he makes on that team. But if you go and you look at the splits, and I don't have them up here, I was looking at them the other day. Steph Curry with Draymond Green on the floor, as opposed to Draymond Green being off of the floor, his his percentages are. There, there, there's a massive difference. I want to say it was like five or six percent difference, and I know five or six is not a, a big number, but over the over a career playing with a guy and that number of shots, five or six percent on a shot, especially the greatest shooter to ever do that, that that's massive. And so, 
I, I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on them to see what happens with that team. And you know, like the, the, the chemistry is there just kind of like with Dylan, Dylan has played with these guys, you know, he has chemistry with John and Jaron and all of these guys. There's just little things to work out the, the chemistry between clay and Draymond and Steph. They're, they're doing that. They've been doing this thing for a long time. So there's chemistry there, but there's going to be things to work out. And I wonder what this team is going to look like as they continue to get healthy and them having Draymond definitely makes them a tougher matchup. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt about that. I mean, they're a completely different team with Draymond, um, especially defensively. I mean, he's just kind of the glue that holds that same, that whole thing together. I mean, he just makes the entire team better. And I think, you've seen a lot of people that kind of scoff at, at, at him as, as being this great player. And people are like, why does he get all-star recognition and, and, and everything like that? Because they're just box score watchers. They don't really understand the game. You watch the game, you see what this team looks like without Draymond Green. They still won some games, but anybody that has watched that Warriors team over the last couple of years, they, you can tell that something's not right with them as of right now. They haven't been as dangerous, and that's because Draymond Green's not there. And he's going to have a big impact on, on them down the down the stretch, and that's kind of why, as a Grizzlies fan, you're thinking about that two seed. You wish you could they could have dropped a couple more games, especially that second Denver game. I was really looking at yeah. that one as one that I wish they could have dropped, and now they got that one. Uh, and you got Draymond coming back tomorrow, man. It's gonna gonna be tough because the Grizzlies got to take care of business and and win these games, man. You can't really afford to drop any more games that you're supposed to supposed to win. And Dave me and David have talked a lot about that franchise win record and, and that that Portland loss before the break and that Houston loss. I think really, really did some damage to their chance in that. Still not over, but it's going to be tough. Yeah, I, I think we we pretty well. Let's let's jump back into the box score here. Their next game, the Grizzlies are up on Tuesday. They got a day off tomorrow. They fly to uh, Indy to play the Pacers at home, and then they get a couple days off before they have to go to Atlanta. Uh, it's this is a crucial time of the season. You're, you're fine-tuning everything. You're getting your rotations right. You're finding out who is going to be out there on the floor for you when it matters. And I, I think you look at we, – we, we had this conversation. I think we've got to bring it back up again, maybe not during this episode, but I think that Kyle Anderson versus Zaire Williams conversation is something that, that's going to have to be had because – yeah. Zaire yep. looked really, really good tonight. Three for five he did. and yeah, three. Great. And, and even above that, above the, like the, the double-digit scoring, he had a, a pass to BC down low where he made a good read, made a nice oh, pass. Yeah, BC man. got yeah. a dunk. He took a couple people off the dribble and hit a mid-range shot. There were a, a few things that I saw from him tonight that it just seems like he's constantly, you know, you can see, okay, he's got a good foundation, and now he's starting to add to it. Kyle Anderson was struggling for a while. And, and, and again, we mentioned Candace mentioned the issue with the shoulder, the hitch in his shot. We can see that, but this is a very Kyle Anderson line from him tonight. Six points, six rebounds, two assists, a steal and a block. That's what he does. Kyle Anderson contributes across the board. And, and so when they get closer to playoff time, and especially when they get into the playoffs, are you going to see that rotation tighten up? Are you going to see one of these guys that you don't expect to see fall out of the rotation, fall out of the rotation because of the way one of these other guys are playing? It's going to be interesting and it's going to be a tough decision for coach Jenkins and the staff. Um, I, I, you guys can hit on that if you want to 
when we finish that up, Isaac, if you want to jump into the box scores and then we'll wrap it up. Yeah, I had a real quick point on that. And something I forgot to mention earlier that I was planning on mentioning that we had kind of talked about, about DB coming back and changing the roles when you have Zaire coming out the bench. I think it was very encouraging that he still played as well as he did. I mean, his role changed tonight. He was no longer in the starting lineup. And he still played a, a really good game tonight it, it, with 11 points. Um, like you said, man, some good passes. Um, let's see what he finished with. Uh, knocked down uh, three of five from three, uh, 22 minutes. Still had a block, four of eight from the field, three assists. I mean, three rebounds. So he still played really well uh, in a different role coming out the bench. So I think that's, that's one thing that of the things that kind of concerned me with DB coming back with him going to the bench. How would Zaire kind of respond to that? being a rookie and, and playing a different role, even though he did play that role sometime during the season, but he's kind of got used to used to starting here as of late. Uh, so I was kind of wondering how he would respond to that. He re- think he responded well. So I think that was, that was good to see. Yeah. I'll, I'll add to that. One thing that I liked that was really encouraging to me was there at the end down the stretch, I think probably under a minute left, uh, there was a shot uh, that I can't remember who the player was that, that uh, an OKC player took and it was, it was called a foul. It's not a three shot foul. And Zaire showed extremely great discipline. I just, you saw the growth there earlier. That probably really would have been a foul, but ultimately it wasn't a foul. It was really a, a terrible call on the referee's part and ultimately was overturned and the Grizzlies were, you know, giving the ball and possession back. But I think even just those small defensive improvements can really make the difference for him to see if, see if he will close, if he can be a part of that closing lineup and really make a difference defensively and offensively for you. So, and that's an excellent point that you make, Isaac. Um, did you want to add anything to that real quick before I make my next point? And I was going to say that Taylor Jenkins is a coach, and even though we're used to seeing coaches really short in rotations, like super short in the playoffs, he's a guy that I think will play guys, like play yep. more guys than you would usually see in the playoffs. So I, so I think there's an opportunity. I think there could be a situation where we see both of those guys play because I think even in the playoffs last year, I mean, you saw Conchar out there at times. Like, he's not scared to, to throw guys out there. I know you want to shorten that rotation. But he's shown a propensity to still play, I guess, a, a longer rotation than we've seen in the past. Now, whether you can argue whether that's a good thing, whether he should be doing it or not, we have seen him do that in the past. If you go back and look at that Utah series. Yeah, he's yeah, that's a, a lot good. of faith in his guys, that's for sure. He yeah. does. He yeah, does. He does. And that's actually a good point that you make, Isaac, because, you know, one thing to keep in mind is I believe that uh, Coach Taylor Jenkins was under the the, the – I, I always butcher his name, but the Bucks coach – Somebody help me. Boonholzer. Yeah, Boonholzer. Um, I always butcher that for, for whatever reason. But um, anyway, he he comes from 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 that tree, or he worked up under him for some time, and that was one thing that that that's a trait, you know, on that books team. You know, they played their guys for the most part, and I think one thing that you could do in terms of solution on how do you balance out the Kyle Anderson, Zaire Williams battle is, I think you just cut back potentially on, depending on the matchup. Now, I think you can cut back on some Steven Adams minutes and sort of give yeah. Kyle Anderson and Zaire Williams a, a better run at that. Cause that might be more advantageous for you depending, depending on the matchup. Now, if you got a big guy like Jokic or something like that, you obviously you play Steven Adams, but otherwise I think you'd be just fine to cut back on Steven Adams minutes and, and keep and take advantage of, Kyle Anderson's knack for steals or, you know, his defensive prowess and, and also Zaire's shooting and his defensive growth as well. Yeah, good point. Great point. Yeah. Yep. So let's jump into this box score real quick. We had we, we talked about them kind of off and on, but let, let's run through them and then we'll go ahead and wrap this one up and get ready for Tuesday night. Yeah, man. Grizzlies go 48 a 101 for 47.5%. So Grizzlies get a lot of shots up. Uh, OKC 41 of 97 for 42. 0.3%, so the Grizzlies outshoot them by 5% there. 
three-point range, man. Really, really good night for the Grizzlies. 11 of 29 for 37.9%. OKC, 13 of 41 for 31.7%. So Thunder plus 12 in attempts, but only plus two in makes. So six. So the net six-point gain there for OKC. From the free throw line, another positive for the Grizzlies tonight. And we want to see this continue. 18 of 20 for 90%. OKC, 23 of 28 for 82.1%. So Thunder plus eight in attempts and plus five in makes. So that's a net of... Six, 11 points uh, for OKC between three-pointers and free-throw shooting. Uh, rebounds, a big night for the Grizzlies. 56, 19 offensive rebounds tonight. A lot of it had to do with Steven Adams and, and his 16 rebounds. Uh, missed a double-double by one point, but good rebound tonight for the Grizzlies. Offensive rebounds, I think, one of the big reasons why they were able to win this game. Uh, 44 overall rebounds for OKC, 14 on the offensive glass. 30 assists, uh, Memphis, 25 OKC. Grizzlies had eight steals, OKC with seven. Uh, block 7-5, to five, OKC. Grizzlies 13 turnovers, OKC 11. Fast break points, OKC wins there. Uh, that's something that you don't see the Grizzlies lose a lot, especially in games that they win, but they lost that 17-12. But big work in the paint tonight for the Grizzlies. 72 points um, in the paint to 52, so they plus 20 uh, points in the paint for, for the Grizzlies over OKC tonight. Yeah, I mean, the, the turnover thing was, was big. The Grizzlies are generally really good at forcing turnovers. And you would think with the youth of this Oklahoma City Thunder team that the pressure that the Grizzlies tend to apply would get to them. What in the no, case tonight? You know, no, that's man. The, this is kind of, uh, you know, chalk this up to a uh, unconventional win for the Grizzlies because it's not generally, you know, dominated in the paint. They've done that. But they generally force more turnovers than this. And it just, you know, did, didn't get there tonight. We'll go ahead and wrap it up and get out of here. You can get the show on Twitter at Ethos Grizzlies. I'm at David W2111. Candace is at Seahawks901. That's the letter Seahawks901. Isaac, let them know where they can find you and get us out of here, man. Yeah, man. Good stuff, guys. But I definitely, definitely enjoyed uh, recording this one tonight. But you can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore rivals. It's I S A A C underscore rivals, man. Tuesday night, Grizzlies. We'll be back on the hardwood at, at the Indiana Pacers. Um, and that could, could, could be a, a tricky game if they kind of let up, man. Got to play hard. I mean, that team has some talent on it. I mean, you talk about Tyrese Hallis Burden, Buddy Hill, those guys that you have to account for. So that's going to be another game where they're going to be favored. Man, you got to go out and take care of business. But we'll be back with a post game. Uh, I want to thank everybody for joining us. Man, go over to the next show. Give us a like and a follow. We appreciate that. And until next time, 